It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. To the people that have done this, your time is running out. You will be found and you will be dragged before court. The small businesses we know in every sector that are being hit here. Do we want all those local little cafes gone? Our differences should be celebrated. It's something to embrace. Different backgrounds, different races. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Another chance to win 10 grand for you on the program this morning. A chance every hour for you to win 10 grand. And we're back sending more people to the Panto at the Everyman and sending them for dinner as well. Today, we'll be sending two lucky families to Gallagher's on McCurtain Street for a festive treat. That is all to come. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. You'd wonder at this stage with 19 days to Christmas, you would wonder is there a chance that Santa will actually have some snow to land on in Cork when he arrives on Christmas Eve? What are the chances of Santa having a white Christmas? to visit Cork. Now, on the 23rd of November, Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather started making his predictions as to how we're going to have the rest of the week and maybe into next week. First prediction on Carlo Weather that I can track down was 23rd November of a cold snap at the start of December. And the last time I talked to you, Alan, you always said to me, two weeks is about as far out as anyone can be even half accurate. So at this stage, I would imagine predicting a white Christmas is virtually impossible. And anybody who tells you it is, is lying to you. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, you're, you're dead right. Trying to forecast uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day at this stage is is, is a very, very tricky business. Um, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be kind of going to the bookmakers and backing it either way at the moment. Yeah, it is likely, though, according to what I'm seeing from you in the last 24, 48 hours, we could be in for the coldest snap in quite some time. 
Yeah, it does look like we're going to see probably the longest cold spell we've had in three years. It's it's going to get below freezing tonight for many areas, and it's not really going to get above freezing until the end of the week into next week. And even at that, it's a little bit uncertain. It could go longer. So we're going to see frost from tonight, and we're going to see temperatures by day struggling to get up to three, maybe four degrees, but it's going to feel bitterly cold even when, if it's three degrees, it's probably going to feel like minus one, minus two degrees. And obviously this time of the year, very short days, daylight hours, very short. So Mm. not much tall. So it really is, it's going to feel really, really cold now for the next week. The air doesn't warm up in these short days. No, that's it really. And and especially like there's, there's a risk of fog, especially down south, um, developing at times as well and if you get that fog kind of hanging around all day long you could easily stay below zero all through the day um, and then we're going to have a risk of some some snow showers now I, I kind of want to manage expectations in terms yes. of people with snow because it, it's an orderly really that's going to bring us down this cold air so it's northern end of the country that's going to see the main risk of snow showers but as we head through Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, there is a chance that we could see some showers kick off and give a dust to just about anywhere. Mm. Um, but but generally cold, dry, and some nice sunny spell that the fog can clear, it will actually be nice blue skies for the few hours that we do see it. Mm. Um, the big uncertainty is what happens next week. Yes. Because there's a, there's a storm that could well develop into a tropical storm in the Atlantic that's going to head towards his oars and then possibly track up towards us. Now, there's a few different scenarios here. One scenario is, is that it kind of comes through and blows away the cold weather and we end up in less cold weather and we end up in some very wet and windy weather next Horrible, week. horrible, damp cold weather, yeah. Yeah, now, that's actually at the least likely scenario at the moment. But the most likely scenario is is that it's going to come up towards us and it might turn a little bit less cold, but then pull away and pull in even some more cold and prolong the cold spell Mm. into next week. And then there's also a chance that we end up in kind of a perfect storm scenario where that low pressure system comes towards us, meets the cold air installed and turns to snow and dumps snow on us. Now, that's also the least likely option. So the, the most likely at the moment seems to be that, that the low pressure stays away from us and we stay cold. Mm. But there is a chance that it'll either come true and turn into wet and windy weather or that it stalls and we kind of end up in a potential for, for kind of a... It could be like rain in the south coast, but then the further inland it could be snow. But that's very uncertain at the moment. But all the long-range signals show us that we're more likely to have prolonged cold spell at the moment. You and I have talked in, in summertime, or many times of the year, about how our weather, Alan, in this country is determined really from three different directions, which is why it's so hard to predict. Is that the same in wintertime, that you have to look at three different sets of data to get a clear picture for us? Yeah, it generally is. The only thing, it's kind of turned upside down now. So we have high pressure over Greenland, and that has blocked out the Atlantic, where most of our weather will generally come from the south or the west. Yeah. Um, and in this scenario, what happens is you get you get high pressure up t- up towards Greenland, and that opens the floodgates for an east or northeast or northerly wind to bring in that very cold air. And what can happen is then these low-pressure systems to the south of us kind of, 
act as almost like a conveyor belt to pull in that cold from the east or the north. Mm. And a change in wind direction can have a huge impact on our weather. Um, like we've had an easterly the last few days, but Europe actually hasn't been that cold. So it's been like us. It's been very mild. Mm. Um, so w- even though we had an easterly, the air source where it was coming from wasn't that particular cold. But now we have a northerly, which is going to pull in the Arctic air. But Europe is now also getting much colder weather. So if if that low pressure system was to slide down to kind of to below us and kind of act as a conveyor belt to pull in more cold from the east and northeast, the next time we get an easterly, it's going to be a lot colder. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of where it is. But yeah, it's it's very unusual to be looking to the north and to the east for a weather rather than looking to the to the Atlantic really or down it, it to maybe the Spanish plume. Uh, oh yeah, and who's stronger? I, I mentioned before I brought you on there, Alan. You began to look on about the twenty second stroke, twenty third of November. You began to say, "I can't call it just yet." But I think that what's outside my window now is coming. So at what point would you be inclined to say, that's it for Christmas? Would you have any notions when you might be able to say that? Probably another week before we start to really have an idea what we're looking at for Christmas. But given the uncertainty with this storm, until that passes through and the models kind of get a handle on what's going to happen, we won't. So. Probably, probably the middle of next week, we should start to have an idea. So we need to this this storm in the Atlantic needs to do what it intends to do, and then when it has decided what it's going to do, then you can make a call in in on the on the next week to ten days. Exactly, exactly. Right. That's All right. it. Exactly. All right, Alan. As I say before, and I'll say it again to you, I've been following you now and talking to you on this program for pretty much two years or more. Uh, you call it before anybody else and you were right an awful lot more than you're wrong. Well done, sir. Thanks, PJ. Perfect. Cheers. Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlo Weather. He is just... And bear in mind, it's a hobby. This is his hobby. He's not a professional meteorologist at all. He actually works, I think, in internet security or something like that. But this is his hobby. And I've been tracking him now for, oh God, two or three years. And he is right an awful lot more often than he's wrong. He's been right about this once again. It's getting very cold right into the end of the week. Into next week, there's a storm out there. It's uncertain just yet. When we know what that storm's going to do, then you can tell where we go from here. But anybody who's writing on a front page of a newspaper or telling you to go out and put money on a white Christmas right now is lying to you. There you go. 08189. We don't know. It could be very, very cold. But we don't know just yet what's going to happen for Christmas. 0818, too early. 0818, 96, 96, 96. Right, you're listing out for this today. You're listing out for this again. When you hear it again, I'll tell you what to do. And only then can you win. You can't go to the ball looking like that. The ball? Oh, but I'm not. Of course you are. All right, that's today's Panto Audio with the Everyman. Cinderella opening, or opened last weekend, runs until 15th January. Today we're teaming up with Gallagher's on McCurtain Street and the Everyman for two lucky families to have a festive day out. You get a pre-show meal for four, then off to the Everyman. Thursday, 29th September at 7 o'clock. All the details of the Panto are at everymancork.com. So the next time you hear this... I'll then tell you how to win. You can't go to the ball looking like that. The ball? Oh, but I'm not. Of course you are.
The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Now, yesterday I read this email. I'm going to read it again because we started talking about vapes and vaping and the dangers of vaping and the perceived dangers of vaping and the fact that so many people think, oh, well, I'm only vaping. It's so much better for me and so much safer for me than smoking. Or is it? Is, of course, the question. Well, we got this from Kate. She said, not sure, Katie, I'm not sure you're aware, PJ, but a number of teenagers around Cork have collapsed in recent months and it seems to be soon after they were vaping. I was told this by my son. It happened to someone he knew, and it's very frightening. There's a lot of nicotine in some of them, so they might well be collapsing from nicotine overuse. I don't know. A lot of the teens are also buying their vapes online. God only knows what's in them. Can you imagine the unknown damage they're doing to their lungs? This is a totally unregulated area, and I'm petrified we'll only realise the damage they're doing in a few years. It seems to be very fashionable to vape among the teens. They really have no idea what they're putting into their body. And I think parents need to be warmed. A concerned mum, Katie. We also talked to Eileen yesterday who does workshops. Eileen from Jumpstart Your Confidence who does workshops with young people. And she said it's coming up a lot that they are vaping and they're addicted to it. And she knows when talking to young people that there's a serious addiction issue uh, in the young people she's dealing with with regard to to vapes, and they're as addictive as the ciggies ever were. Now, the president of the International Society for Vascular Surgery, or vascular surgery, is a man called Professor Sharif Sultan, and he has described cigarettes, e-cigarettes, e-cigs, vapes, as the disaster of the century. And uh, Professor Sultan, I believe you want them banned outright. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for the opportunity, and it would be great if would be a lot of teenagers, unfortunately, be at school or university now to listen to well, what we have to say. We will be podcasting it, doctor, so that's the... It would be Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, team believe that vaping is less harmful than smoking, and the making is a trend, and the latest generation of flavored vapor cartilage and devices using nicotine salt. This boosts the number of addictive substances that reach the brain while these young people are still in development. E-cigarettes provide a gateway to full-fledged smoking. So let's not kid ourselves that e-vaping is better than smoking. Both of them are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Both of them have the side effect. We know the side effect of smoking. The long-term side effect of vaping is coming to materialize. The Mm -hmm. very interesting, what you just said now about kids in Cork, the U.S. Surgeon General reported that the use of e-cigarettes among high school students have increased by 900 percent. Wow! Forty yeah. percent of young e-cigarette smokers have never smoked regular tobacco before, indicating an escalation of epidemic proportions. It's crazy. What's happening now that kids think that's a trend to get this because it's not smoking. Yeah. It is smoking. The, the vitamin E acetate, and if you get it from somebody who mixes it without knowing what's going on, we don't know what's in this heated oil. This heated oil goes into the lung, causes what we usually call 
popcorn lung. And with the COVID that we have now, it created uh, boop or idiopathic bronchiolitis obliterans, which is mirroring COVID-19 infection. It's becoming unheard of. And now we have the COVID-19 and it's problematic for the uh, community. And there's a big study from John Hopkins showed that people who vape and smoke have (laughs) more ability to catch COVID and have more co- complication from right. COVID ending on a ventilation in the ICU on a tracheostomy. Yeah. Let's yeah. go to the HSC. They have made it very clear. HSC do not recommend vaping as a way to stop smoking. And basically said that if you want to stop smoking, do something else apart from vaping. So this is the HSC in a very shy way to tell them what to do because they're trying not to upset a lot of lobbies in Ireland. Last time I was on your program, a lot of vaping companies went on and tried to make me on uh, uh, online on the internet for what I said. But I stood, I published, yeah. and I've shown them that. Yeah. Even if you're an old guy and you got vaping, you have a complication with clots, with problem with your aorta, mm-hmm. problem with stroke, problem with losing limbs. So it's not a benign situation. I have it's spoken to people, Professor, who over the years when vaping became a thing forced... When the first vapes arrived on the scene, I spoke to people who had been 40 a day, 50 a day smokers and they got themselves a vape and they said, well, look, I'm, I'm down to 10 a day now or I'm down to five a day. And they saw it as a way to to quit smoking. But I think looking back now, that wasn't true, was it? No, that was the lie of a century. Let's put it this way, because the FDA very clearly said that it's an unregulated device. It must not use to stop smoking. It is not licensed for stopping smoking. And there's no evidence. They have seen that people vaping, they vape and smoke at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what I mean? That's not my talk. You know what I mean? And then just starting uh, calling the, uh, it ends uh, on the FDA so that, because e-cigarettes um, is a commercial. So rather than you look at e-cigarettes, they call it ends, electronic nicotine delivery systems. And they, the FDA said no e-vaping or e-cigarettes have been approved as a station device. And that's on the FDA website. And the CDC advised people to avoid e-cigarettes in response to a nationwide outbreak of severe lung injury associated with vaping. They call it e-value or e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury, to which people commonly use with, with risk, uh, type 1 respiratory failure that require intubation and ventilation in the ICU. So... There's a complication, well-documented everywhere. We need to educate people and it's choices. If they are mature enough to choose uh, not to vape, that's fantastic. If they vape, they have to understand the gravity of the situation. Mm. Definitely, smoking is bad, vaping is bad, but what we are trying to speak up is the harm. What harm is accepted? And vaping and e-cigarettes companies are claiming that electronic smoking has less adverse effect than classic smoking. Mm. But we must be clear that reduced harm does not equate to harm-free and that any degree of harm is wrong and no degree of harm is acceptable. It's exactly like telling mm. that uh, you, you get heart attack and, uh, and cancer and, and, both of, uh, and cancer is better than heart attack or heart attack is better than cancer. It doesn't make sense. I spoke a number of years ago, Dr. Sultan, to, to a doctor who said to me, look, we know that smoking is bad for you and we know that the, we know the damage that smoking can and does do. The difference with e-cigarettes is we don't yet know the nature of the damage they do. We know they do some. We don't yet know. Do we know more now? That was five or six years ago. 
definitely. Now we know about the composition uh, and some of that composition have vitamin E state. It's a sickening agent often used in the TH vaping products and it's found in all lung fluid sample of evaluation examined by the CDC. So this patient who went on vaping and developed respiratory failure, went to the ICU, they took fluid out of the lung and they found the byproduct of the vitamin E acetate. So the vitamin E acetate of glycol, when it's been heated, it causes a compound that we don't know about. It's four, 15 times more toxic than formaldehyde. And you know formaldehyde is yeah. a carcinogenic agent. And this is a problem. We don't know. There's a lot of things that we don't know. And to say that, you know what I mean, it's safe, it's a very, very uneasy statement. What you could say that we don't know the long-term effect, but we know that the short-term effect that it causes addiction in the young and we have to educate them to have choices in their hands. Mm. You called on a previous health minister, Simon Harris. You called on him to, to him bring in a ban. He didn't. Do you think anybody ever will? I, I tell you, we are the first in Europe to ban smoking in public places and pubs. And, and it was fantastic from Michal Martin, the current prime minister. The whole idea that um, uh, the HSC have went as far as did not recommend uh, um, e-cigarettes um, um, at all uh, uh, as a way to stop smoking. But there is how far they're going to go. Across the water, the NHS have a program sponsored by vaping company for people to stop smoking using um, uh, uh, by nicotine products. So it's very strange. Two countries close to each other, each one have a separate way of going forward. It's great to educate people. It's great to tell them that there is risks entailed and choices for people. Currently, after the lockdown, people hate to put them in a cage. They don't want to listen that you're not allowed to go to socialize. You're not li- they don't want to listen that you cannot smoke. Give them choices. If you're going to vape, this was going to happen. Educate them, do a programs on TV, educate them and give them the choice. It's better than trying to uh, enforce it because enforcement is exactly like what ha- happened in Chicago and try to enforce banning of alcohol. You know what happened. It was mm. the greatest uh, trade ever happened. So. Let's try to be smart in this approach and do it the correct way. One thing that is a, a bit different between the two, Dr. Sultan, finally, is I can walk down the street here and I can walk into any shop and if I want to buy cigarettes, and I've never smoked, if I want to buy cigarettes, I have to go to the counter and ask for them and they're taken out of a, a closed box, as it were. But there are big, glossy, neon-lit vape shops everywhere I look. Would you like to see that end? And if you want vaping, it's the same way as you do with cigarettes that you've got to get them out of a sealed box. That's excellent. Regulation. So you're talking about regulation. Remember, in Ireland, there is more than 12,000 people working in this industry. So we cannot stop their manhood and their ability to earn overnight. But what we need to regulate it and just put warning, exactly what's the warning on the cigarettes. If you look at the warning of cigarettes, you'll be afraid to hold the cigarettes in your hand. It's so actually. gross. It it's so gross, you know what I mean? You cannot, you know what I mean? And it's just, they say we just need to regulate the industry in a way that to protect the Irish health system mm. over the next 10 to 15 years because the young kids now will be our engine for the future and they are the currency of the future. If we don't protect them when they don't know what's best for them, they will be sick when they are 
in their mid-30s and 40s. Let me tell you, or let me finish, Professor, by telling you a story. I told my listeners yesterday, I was maybe nine or ten years old, and I remember going into class, and this was when teachers could smoke in class. And our teacher on a morning said, lads, I don't know if you ever want to start smoking, but watch this. And he lit up a cigarette at the top of the room and he took a large, deep draw from it. And then he took a white handkerchief out of his pocket and he blew the smoke out through the white handkerchief. And the stain that it left, green and brown stain, I decided there and then as a kid, I was never going to smoke and I never have. We need more teachers like that in 2022, I think, Doctor. This is the teacher of a cop-on. A cop-on, you cannot get it as a degree from a university or from a college. You've been born with a cop-on or not. Currently, everybody tries to be politically correct. And he, if he's going to do that today, he gets fired because he has smoking in front of the kids. That's the problem. Political correctness has destroyed the cop-on of our people to understand what's right, what's wrong. And it allowed a lot of things to be done in the wrong way because of political correctness. But if I was you, I'll find that teacher... And I give you a very good Christmas gift because he makes you as healthy as you are. All right. Dr. Sharif Sultan, President of the International Society for Vascular Surgery. Thank you very much for being with us on the Opinion Line. 0818 96 96 96. I wonder where Mr. Coakley is now who taught me in fourth class. God, it was when? The late mid-70s? I wonder where he is now. Skullcree, anybody know where Mr. Coakley, who used to teach in Skullcree Street in the 70s and 80s, where he is now? Thank you, Dr. Sultan. Simon Christmas Jumper Day, have you done it yet? Have you done your Simon Christmas Jumper Day yet? You can do it anywhere, anytime, online, in school, in the office, at work, wherever you want to do it. Because we say no child should be homeless on Christmas Day and hosting a Cork Simon Christmas Jumper Day will help to make sure that doesn't happen. It's more than just a gift. You can get a fundraising pack right now from CorkSimon.ie and then join us at Cork96FM in helping to fight homelessness in Cork. And we know thousands of people are doing it every day. 0818 96 96 96. Delighted to hear, someone called up and said, delighted to hear that Mr. Coakley is alive and well. Good, Mr. Coakley from Skullcree Street is alive and well. They also told us where he lives, but we're not going to tell you that on the air. Um, that's good to hear. Um, and if you're talking to him, uh, tell him thanks from me because he frightened the sh- sugar plum fairy out of me and I never smoked in my life. 0818 96 96 96. The Improv Panto is back and opens this Friday at Cork Opera House. It is probably, definitely, the greatest show that ever graced the Opera House stage. Ever. Oh, it was brilliant. It's so good. I'd go every night if I could. <laughs> uh, Laura, aren't you in the show? That's just you putting on gammy accents, like. Yeah, but, like, it's also true, like. <laughs> yes, she's biased. However, we can confirm that thousands of you love the improvised panto each year and are thrilled it's back. Not for smallies, this laugh out loud show is made up on the spot. Don't miss the hilarious Improv Panto from December 9th. Tickets from CorkOperaHouse.ie The Improv Panto with Cork's 96FM. I don't know who's sending this one in, but uh, it says, thanks so much for talking about e-cigs. I did a TikTok earlier this year. The comment section lit up with people defending e-cigs. Morning PJ, smoked for about 50 years, but one morning I heard a girl talking about an app called Quitsure on your show, and I've never looked back. 
I can't thank you enough for the six-day program. That's from Noreen. Oh, that's Monica. Oh, is that Monica, Dr. Monica? Blondie Perez on TikTok. Ah, sure, Monica's a friend of the show. Morning, Doc. Morning, Doc. Thanks for that messaging in. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Jackie, as long as I know you, you smoked and then you moved to e-cigs. And I think you're sorry. Oh, she's gone, lads. We're trying to pull her back in there. She was online too. Uh, Jackie used to smoke for years. Um, But then she moved to e-cigs and I was kind of sorry that she ever did. 0818 96 96 96. While they're getting her back, just something uh, that you might have seen. This Meghan Markle, Harry documentary that's dropping on Netflix in the next couple of days. I think they're dropping three episodes on the 8th and three more the following week. It's blown out of the water before it even lands it looks like it's a crock. It looks like it's an absolute crock just on the basis of the holes in the tra- in the trailers. I'll come back to it because Jackie's back on the line. Hey, Jack. Morning, Peter. Good. You smoked for years and then you moved to e-cigs thinking it was better for thinking you. Thinking I was helping myself, like, yeah, because what? I have COPD. What happened? And um, I was in hospital. I was, I was on the vape about four weeks and I was taken into hospital. I was very sick. One, one, when I kind of felt a bit better, I was outside one day and I was vaping outside. And I, one of the doctors passed me and said, I'd prefer to see a cigarette in your hand than one of those. Really? He said, your lungs, he said, will just crumble. He said, they're bad enough, he said, he said they will just crumble like leaves. Yeah. Like dried out leaves, he said. He said, there are nothing but toxins in them. He said, we don't know what's in them, but they're not good. Yeah. He said, there can be carcinogenics in them, everything, you know. Yes, yes, yes. So I stopped it straight away and went back on the cigarettes. Like, Are you still smoking? I am, I am. Mm. You know, but um, or not as much as I used to. I know you tried. I know, we know each other. I know yeah. you tried like nobody ever tried to give them up. Yeah, sure. nah, I love I loved my cigarettes. God forgive me, like, but I do, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, I know. And then, but like... Uh, I would, I, I don't like to see people vaping because, and as that doctor said, it's very young people you see going around vaping, mm. you know? Yeah, well, what, what, when I was talking to Eileen yesterday, what disturbed me most, what she said was in some of the workshops that she does with teens, they're just taking it up. Now, you and I are old, are old enough to remember when people used to sneak behind the bike shed at school for, yeah. for a snaky ciggy in the half ten break and, and oh, hope God, the teacher yeah. wouldn't get But, like, that's fine. But now they're starting to vape at that age because they yeah, think oh well that's okay I'm only vaping you know? I'm only vaping yeah but it's I mean they're inhaling that and nobody knows what's in those little bottles of liquid you know yeah well you heard Dr. Sharif yeah, said like ban the thing just yeah oh I would agree with him totally like ban them you know because I have a few friends now that do vape and it's constantly in their mouth mm. you know whereas the cigarette isn't constantly in your mouth yes like you smoke a cigarette now, and it could be an hour later, maybe two hours later before you smoke the next one. Whereas the vape is constant. Yes. You know, yes. I, I had a friend one time, she had a chain around her neck with her vape on it. I've seen that. I've seen and that. And every time I looked, it was inside in her mouth. Mm. You know, and I think that's, that's like smoking 85 a day. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the disposable ones have the equivalent nicotine of 20 cigarettes. Yeah. So that'll tell you. You go through two of them in the day, I'd say the disposable ones, easily, you know. Yeah. How's the health with you now? 
Oh, it's not too bad. I'm very good at the moment. No, I'm managing my COPD fine. Like you know, yeah. I'm making sure I don't become dependent on things like and. I fight my own way. Good for you. And, um, and I came to grandmother again yesterday for the fifth time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so happy out. Ah, uh, yeah, five times now. Five! The baby girl, yes, and second granddaughter, yeah. Oh, God, we're long overdue a coffee. I'll talk to you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers, Jackie Crowley. 0818969696. Five grandchildren. Congratulations, Jack. 0818 Now, Kate, you see people vaping everywhere. Did you know before I was talking to Dr. Sharif this morning just how how seriously the experts look at it? Morning. Oh, I didn't, but I will say that it's so prevalent. My God, I passed a young fellow yesterday. He was about 13. Mm. And the smell of sweetness of him. My God. And he was quite open about it. Yeah. He's gone his lunch break in school. Yeah. And he was more known that he was just first year. Yeah, and you'd wonder, do their parents know? Um, I mean, where are they getting the money? She have to pay for the thing. Yeah, they're not working, you know. So I, I don't know. I just don't know. But also, as regards the guards, my God, I mean, they need to be out visible all the time, day and night. Yes, I mean, we we don't see anybody. Well, we're in Carrigaline, we don't see anyone. We see the cars. Yes, but we don't see them. And it, do you notice anything, PJ? If you ask people now, do they know the guards, their names, or who they are in? They don't. Do you remember before you'd know such and such a guard? You would. But we do, nobody, they don't know us, and we don't know them. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's really gone, and that's very important. You're in Carrigaline. I lived yeah. there for 10 years. Yeah. And I, I'm often interested in people know about their local Garda station mm-hmm. in the opening hours. Now, I know, obviously know where it is and there's always a car parked outside. That's but right. Th- the opening hours down at Carrick Line Station, if I wanted to go down there in a hurry and needed needed a guard, when did they you open? You can't. Um, they're not open. They're supposed to be open in the afternoon and then if there's nobody there, they won't open. So we were sent to Thoker yeah. for everything. And I mean, that's terrible. And especially, you know, people trying to get passports who mightn't be from Ireland. They don't know what to do. And you're trying to send them to Toker. They've never heard of Toker. They don't even know how to get there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was trying to explain to an Indian couple one day and sure, like I must be talking to them all, you know? Yeah. And the thing and is, OK, closed. if it was on the same bus route at least, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's very out of your way to get there. It is, yeah. But what's going to say to you, um, I wish the guards were there day and night. And like finishing, well, I'm not that finishing at eight. They're taking the vis jackets, jackets off. But, and they should all have tasers. They should have had tasers years ago. Mm. That guard that was in the hospital for nearly a week up in Dublin, like he wouldn't be in that state if he had a taser when those Very people true. came out of the pub. Very true. You know? Leo, Leo was saying last week, Leo um, Varadkart was on the front page of the mail, I think, that if Drew Harris asked him, Mm-hmm. to arm the guards, he, he wouldn't say no. What did you think of yeah, that? Yeah, but the lot of the guards don't They don't? Guns, you know, you're right. A lot of them the don't. Tasers, the tasers will disable the person and then you can cuff them. But the way that happened the other day, I'd say that poor guard got beaten to be chased, know. you know, on the ground. He'd no chance, you know. I know. I know. Come here, you're anyway, baking a cake at the moment. I am. I'm doing the Christmas cake, yeah, I am. I've got the um, Carrigaline Fire Brigade on speed dial just in case, like. <laughs> I know, yeah. You 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 might be interested in tomorrow then because there'll be um there'll be some expert information on baking a Christmas cake. Oh, tomorrow. to be over then, to be done, to be <laughs> be out of rock hard or lovely. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Take care. Have Bye-bye. a good day. Bye bye. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm not here tomorrow. I'm not here tomorrow. Um, I'm off to do something in Dublin for the day. But but there is a stand in tomorrow. 
I'm not going to tell you who. I'm not allowed to tell you who. I'm under contractual obligations not to tell you who. It's a fella off the telly tomorrow. That's all I'll tell you. 0818 96 96 96. Yesterday we were talking about the increasing amount of cashlessness that's out there and the idea that, well, you know, I like a choice. I want a choice. I demand a choice. I, I don't want to shop in a place that doesn't want cash for small purchases now. And we were thinking about buskers in particular. Like, it's, it's, it's a hard time to be a busker because you can hardly tap your card if you like some fella's version of fairy tale New York down in Don Square. You, you, you know, you, they're not exactly carrying tap pads for you to... T- so, one, that's one reason I carry a few quid in cash around me if I'm shopping in Christmas weeks to give the buskers a couple of quid. Uh, Jude got in touch. I think you feel a bit sorry as well for the buskers around this time of the year, do you, Jude? Morning. Good morning, PJ. I do because I think they're the hustle and bustle of every city. I think they're the, the heart and soul. Like, no matter where you go, the buskers, I think they always, you know, they make the city. Yeah. Um, I don't know for myself like going back to the 90s I actually used to busk in Cork myself um, I'm going to tell you a funny story um, I love the cranberries I love the Lord's Arena of the cranberries Yeah. we had a band called Space Dev Gypsies right. probably couldn't get away with calling that no, I don't know today somebody would probably get offended <laughs> um, but um, we actually did a cover of Zombie right. and I made £80 that night yeah back in the 90s that was serious money in the 90s like one for one song in one night yeah, it was, but I think the city was kind of packed and there was a lot of French students and like the crowds just started to come around us because we did kind of, we were kind of like a Cranberries cover band anyway. Right. Um, and like we were in Edinburgh a few weeks ago, um, a few girls from work and myself, and there was like a busker on the street and I, I always give the money to the buskers. I just think that, you know, they're, it's the way they make their money. It's yeah. their, it's their life, it's their job, you know? Yeah. Um, so we were walking down towards him and he'd been like singing some other song, random song. And he just stopped, looked at us and he started to play zombie. I thought it was a sign. That, like, we were like, what? You just would not believe it. Wow. Unless you were there. It was so weird. Um, so I know, yeah, it was like a sign from Dolores, um, <laughs> I think. Um, so, yeah, I just think that when I go to town, I always stop and give them a few bob anyway. What do you think about this going more and more cashless anyway, Jude? Um, I don't know. I think it's nice to have a choice, to be honest. Yeah. Like I see like a lot of elderly people and stuff there. You can't really see them tapping the card. And Well, I know, look, everyone, each to their own and stuff, but I do like to have a choice myself. Like I was saying last week in the show, I mean, if you're going in and all you want is coffee and a sticky bun, like, what? Well, if you want to pay cash, you should be able to pay cash. Definitely, yeah, you should be, I think, you know. Um, but like that lady was saying yesterday, just about even having, like, giving her daughter the money for the bus and stuff. Like, I have a leave card and my daughter would have a leave card. Sometimes you could tap it and they could say it wouldn't work or you're in your pocket, I think, just to have, you know, have a choice as yeah. well, you know. Yeah. Um, like, you know, stopped off at, like, um, Hillbillies yesterday and in the queue, like, there was, like, four of us and every, each, the whole lot, we all had cash. Because she actually was saying, does that, do you have something smaller than 50 to the guy in front of me? So I do think people are using the cash more, I think. Yeah. You know? Good. Good to see. All right, Jude. Yeah. Cheers for the call. Thank you. Thanks, PJ. Cheers. Yeah. 0818 Keep some cash in your pocket. Oh, getting back to this Netflix documentary, uh, Harry and, and Meghan, and they're talking about telling their truth over six episodes. We know the full truth, says Harry. And yes, there's been two trailers have dropped for it now. And there's four, at least four things have been picked up on. One is uh, it, 
the impression that there was a photograph taken of Harry and Meghan and the little lad Archie taken by a, a lone photographer. That actually was pre-agreed, accredited coverage of a visit to Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So it was a genuinely accredited photograph. There was another one where the the press pack, there was a, a press pack around at a Harry Potter film premiere. <laughs> this was before they'd ever even met. It has nothing to do with them. Uh, the best bit, I think, though, is footage of journalists waiting outside a courtroom. And, and of course, using it to build up this idea that there's a frenzy around Harry and Meghan. But a photographer who was in that group said, hold on a minute, we were there to photograph Katie Price. Harry and Meghan were nowhere to be seen. And then there's a cameras around a limousine and then the, the trailer cuts to Megan in floods of tears. She wasn't in the limousine. It comes out that someone else again, someone who was at that photo shoot said, that was Donald Trump's lawyer was in the limousine. Like They're not doing themselves any favours here. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96 FM. 0818 96 96 96. The number. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Your thoughts on vaping are welcome after talking to Dr. Dr. Sharif Sultan in the first hour. I don't know why anybody would take it up, but a lot of people are, a lot of young people, teenagers in particular, are taking it up and getting addicted to it. As Jackie said, when she was in hospital, her doctor said to her, well, I'd prefer to see you smoking a cigarette than vaping because of the damage that it can do to your lungs. And when we first started talking about this a few years ago, you know, the jury was out and what it was doing. Now the jury has come back and the jury's confused. It doesn't know what it's doing, but it knows it's doing something. It knows it's damaging the lungs. So vaping, not the good idea people once thought it was. Also on that Netflix documentary which drops later in the week on Harry and Meghan, they were glaring mistakes and they're not mistakes, they're, they're glaring uh, misdirections. You're being manipulated in the trailers alone to think certain things. So what's the documentary going to be like? Your thoughts welcome at 0818 96 96 96. We have talked on this program about ADHD a number of times in the last year because it was one of those things that sort of came into the light in the last number of years and it is out there, it is common, it is far more common than we think and when you're told you have ADHD, I've spoken to a few people now who tell me well it explains a heck of a lot about me. And I was very interested to open the Irish Independent yesterday and read a wonderful article, interview with an old friend of mine uh, from the music game. And when I say old, we've known each other a long time, which is very young. <laughs> Nella, hello dear. Hello, how are 
And how how are you? Who has toured the world, toured China, <laughs> toured the world with World of Warcraft? And that's how we that's how we first talked. Yeah. You were diagnosed during lockdown. Yes, with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. About how did you first? Did, did you ever realize? Did you ever think? There was mm-hmm. something different about the way your mind worked. <laughs> that's that's a loaded answer. <laughs> um, firstly, thanks for having me. It's great to great to be back in here with you again. Um, yeah, I think I always sort of had a narrative that I always said I never felt like I fitted in, like in any school or in any I don't know friend group or I just and then yeah I just never felt like I fitted in. I went through clinical depression twice. Uh, luckily, I never went through like ongoing depression, but twice. Um, and, you know, it was now looking back, sensory overload, you know, to do with relationships and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I never, absolutely never, never, never um, considered ADHD. Um, somebody in my family was diagnosed and then I looked into it and I went, holy heck, <laughs> this is me. Um, and it was really just a huge aha moment. You know, it was what, just what incredible. ADHD is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And what it actually is, is a deficit of interest, not intelligence. So if you're not interested in something, (laughs) yeah. So if you're not interested in something, your executive functioning, which is how you concentrate, you, you know, execute uh, activities like goals, uh, housework, um, whatever it is, you know, at hand, um, that your brain, it's not that your brain won't focus, it's that it cannot because you don't have dopamine there, you know. Uh, to uh, help your executive functioning. Is it um, an attention span difficulty? No, it's an it's an interest difficulty, and then you know, along with that, there is emotional dysregulation, sensory overload, and um, overwhelm is a huge issue. Um, uh, reje- rejection sensitivity, dysphoria—all these big words that um, you know we all kind of learn when we first uh, go onto yeah. TikTok or, does it or make whatever. A, does it make an overthinker out of you? Absolutely. Yes, analysis paralysis for sure. Because that's one thing you've often said to me over the years when we've chatted. You (laughs) overthink everything. Yes, I definitely do. You're dead right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. And why? Why? Why is that? Why? What? Like you say, it's a very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's it's an a A deficit of interest. Deficit of interest. Not intelligence. Not not intelligence. That's not to say you're not interested. It's that you can't stay interested. If you're interested in something, you, you know, so with ADHD, if you have an interest in something, you can hyper-focus for hours and hours and hours on end without, you know, um, any, you know, distraction. If I was recording in the studio, I don't even think about eating, about going to the toilet, about anything. I'm in hyper-focus because I, my brain is getting dopamine and that is a rare occurrence that I'm getting dopamine and I can actually stay focused. Um, and, you know, and so that's why people you know, with ADHD who have good support systems and know they have it can be very, 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 very successful. Like the Richard Bransons who has ADHD, you know, um, Will I Am has ADHD, lots of very famous people. But once they have, and successful and famous, but, you know, once they have structures in place, because if you hyper-focus on something, you will not stop because you're of, chasing dopamine, you know. A lot of artistic people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Musicians, mm-hmm. artists. Yeah, absolutely. Actors. Yeah. And I think there's a, I think for me, you know, in my opinion, there is different reasons for that. One, we are the too sensitive people. I think if I had a, a penny for, or whatever, a cent for every time somebody said you're too sensitive, mm. um, you know, I'd be very rich. But 
being sensitive you get to sort of get in touch with those feelings and that sort of deeper part of you and that's how I am a songwriter you know I don't believe that if I didn't have that sensitivity and feel pain very deeply and process it through my you know songs I don't think I'd be able to write the songs that I write or you know and that's that's a part that definitely you know with artists Mm. that uh, that is a positive with ADHD for sure Um, uh, yeah yeah so how did the diagnosis come um, so I went to my GP and I said, um, I'm a million percent positive that, um, you know, I have ADHD, I think, you know, and, uh, you know, when I'm interested in something, a lot of my friends call me Nurse Nella because when I'm interested in something, like I love medical stuff, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a medically, I'm not a, doc- not a doctor or anything, but I hyper-focus on um, stuff like that. So I did that, went into her very equipped with a lot of information and research I had done. And she sent me to psych- a psychiatrist in Cork. Um, unfortunately, he has closed his practice, so it is becoming very difficult to get a diagnosis now. So I had a um, two-hour Zoom with him at the very beginning of uh, lockdown, where he went through um, a series of questions, um, which I now know is on the DSM-5 scale, and, and they, they ask you you know, a series of questions, but also they'll ask you if a lot of these symptoms that they're asking about um, have been around since childhood, and that's sort of how they can assess that it's not you know, a recent trauma that's caused uh, different symptoms that you're having. And then did he say it to you there and then? He said you would be at the very high level of... Uh, <laughs> I don't think people who know me um, were too surprised, but uh, yes, yeah, he said you you absolutely um, have ADHD. And, you know, it's it's just, it's fascinating because it is hereditary. So when you sort of look at um, look at that, it's, it's very funny, yeah. So it's I mean, amazing. I, like, I remember the last time we met, I was mm. introducing you to a concert in... In Kinsale, I think it was around this time last yes, year. Yes, it we, was, we, yeah. We, we met upstairs UNC just to did, chat yeah. about it. And you were a complete, uh, just a ball of <laughs> stress looking into the four corners mm. of the room. And I turned and said, Nella, you've got this, kid. Mm. You've got this. Come on. Yeah. But the minute, now here's the change. The <laughs> I know minute what you say. stepped up on stage, yeah. that was gone. Yes. So, yeah. what's that about? Yeah, I can explain that. That's so interesting that you noticed that. Um, so with ADHD also, you know, uh, other symptoms would be like people pleasing. Right. So, you know, I think there's a st- statistic that, you know, a child with ADHD by the age of seven has gotten something like, I should know this, about 25,000 negative messages. You know, why are you late? Why are you always losing this? Why are you, right. you know, distracted? Why are you whatever? So our sort of rejection sensitivity would be um, obviously quite high and um, therefore people pleasing is a huge thing. So, you know, you're sort of, because you feel pain so deeply, you're afraid of messing up because you know you're going to feel pain so therefore people pleasing is a huge thing so at that concert I would have been looking around and also perfectionism so at that concert I would have been looking around the room making sure that everything was perfect is everybody happy am I good enough doubting myself you know because you know the negative self-talk is a huge huge part most of my yeah it's it's, it's a huge part of um, an overwhelm but it stops the minute you put your foot on that stage dopamine. to step up it stops dopamine so I, I, I was saying to the journalist with the independent I've never taken drugs but I've always said that being on stage singing is my drug because it's the most calm. I'm way more calm on stage. Like when I'm on tour in China, there could be 4,000 people in front of me a night. That is the most, I'm much more calm than I am right now talking to you. Mm. You know, much more calm. And that's because dopamine regulates, you know, it, dopamine regulates all of that. And that is my drug. It's a chemical. It is a drug. You it's know? a strange thing. We, we know each other well. We've, we've yeah. chatted many times over the years. Yeah. And, and you're sitting here now three feet away from me. And if you don't mind me saying, your your eyes, you, only in the last 10 seconds have you looked at me. Mm-hmm. 
Right? Oh, interesting. But if I asked you to sing right now, mm-hmm. total change. Yeah, yeah. That's a weird. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's very strange. And is that? <laughs> it's it's like it is the. It, so going from the diagnosis, mm-hmm. then, so now you know what it is. Yes. How do you start living with it? Well, um, like in the US, it's interesting with psychiatrists, they will send you to an ADHD coach as a specialist. So I trained to be an ADHD coach because I had an ADHD coach and I found it was just just mind blowing because so that that's kind of half the answer. But um, an ADHD coach can just put names on. So, OK, let me let me start again. So my um, so sorry. This okay. is ADHD. You get lots of thoughts. It's okay. interesting. You get lots of thoughts at the exact same time. So okay. priori- prioritization is very hard. No, it's okay. it's good to talk about. So that's what just happened with me. I'm getting about five or six thoughts at the exact same time, okay. and I don't know which one to start with. So okay. that's um that's a really interesting part of ADHD. But um an ADHD coach can you know help you to sort of okay. What it did for me was that she educated me about my totally different brain. So an ADHD brain, it's not a bad brain. It's got good and bad in just a very different way to a neurotypical brain. And you can actually see that on brain scans. It's all the dark matter at the right. very front of the brain, you know, where dopamine is, um, is uh, it's responsible, f- um, the front of the brain is responsible for. But um, yeah, so having an ADHD coach that can actually put names on why things are happening ha- and then ask you certain questions that can just, you know, we're verbal processors with ADHD, as you know. I just, I have no problem just talking and talking and talking mm. and rambling. <laughs> and um and so by verbally processing as somebody with ADHD, you kind of get to hear back what you actually feel and think and want because our emotional awareness of ourselves is unfortunately very low, but extremely high for others. So we're very empathic. We pick up other people's energies immediately, Okay. you know, so, but for ourselves, we often don't know where we are emotionally regulated wise um, until we're over the line of overwhelm or anxiety, social anxiety or, um, you know, whatever else, uh, sensory overload, you know? So the validation that that gave me having that conversation, the first conversation with um, an ADHD coach um, was just incredible. Somebody understood how my brain works and um, sort of could lay out the blueprint of how my brain works. And nearly every single one of my clients has the same blueprint. Like the the same, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm going on about this or I'm, you know, and and it's just like, no, we all have, it's just, it's, it's really, really, you know, undeniable and, and remarkable, and so having an ADHD coach is um, is really life changing, and um, just with every part of your life. You so, know? so you you trained mm. to become a coach. Oh yeah, I forgot to say that. Yeah, <laughs> skipping ahead. Um, yeah. Where did you do that? Yeah, I did it with a. Um, it's kind of the leading ADHD coach training um, academy in the world called ADCA. So they are based in New York, and because of the it was the pandemic, it was all online. So I was um, three hours on a Monday and a Wednesday with 25 people and the lecture uh, for over a year every week. So hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of training and it was incredible. Yeah. And now you can coach yourself. Yeah. So I've been coaching for, God, um, a year and three quarters, maybe two years, almost two years, almost two years. So so someone gets a new diagnosis Mm -hmm. and they look you up and they say, okay, Nella, what Mm -hmm. do I do with this? I've had this. It explains so much about Mm -hmm. me. Yeah, I, it, there were things that have been happening in my life all my life that I now understand. Mm-hmm. Now, where do I go from here? That's where you come in. Sure. So, I mean, half of my clients are not diagnosed, but oh. they, you know, have realized that they have ADHD. They're either waiting for an appointment or they're, you know, 
yeah, I mean, it's it's just it is unfortunately kind of difficult at the moment in Ireland to get an ADHD diagnosis. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's only one or two crowds in Cork um, and a lot of Dublin psychiatrists that diagnose ADHD have waiting long waiting lists. So um, it's sort of one diagnosis where if you think you have ADHD, the coaching is going to help anyway because, you know, you're putting in structures with the person, all that kind of thing. So, you know, I would recommend at least six sessions or two months. Um, I haven't had any, I've had one client who hasn't stayed on with me just because they just were too busy um, at the moment but most people stay on because you I meet the client where they're at on that day and we you know whether they know what they want to talk about or not or bring to the session or not you know an ADHD coach is trained at how to kind of really see what the real problem is that day that's sort of affecting everything else Mm -hmm. like either something in their relationship or in their job or like I coach I've got two CEOs of companies you know and it's so it's 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 incredibly helpful for um all parts of your life, you know. For and, and is it that mm-hmm. yeah, you, what you described to me a while ago, when you were mm-hmm. you said to me there was five or six thoughts coming in at once. Yes. at once. Is it part of learning how to sort out that maelstrom? Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a hurricane blowing, mm-hmm. but I've got to catch that one thing to mm-hmm. start. Is that a skill that you can learn? Um, there's 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 a lot of answers to that. So yes, there's and they're all lots, coming in at once, right? Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> there's so many different things. I mean, you know, from doing a brain dump and just getting everything out of your head onto a page and starting, you know, that could be one quick thing. Um, you know, but there's there's lots of different ways that we can sort of uh, put in structures for helping with that. Other things that you can do as well. There's ADHD medication. There is high intensity exercise is incredibly important and you get about two hours of really, really good um, executive functioning after high intensity exercise. Is that exercise. because it builds your dopamine up? You know? um, it's to do with dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. Yeah, it's, it's to oh. do with, yeah. So you really, if you if you have ADHD and you are looking to really get some concentration and get, get some solid work done and focus, you know, high intensity exercise and the two hours after that are really, really helpful. So, I mean, there's just so many different sort of tips and tricks and stuff, but really with coaching, it's about getting to the interest part of the mm. client, whether they know what that is or not. Usually they don't. And it's really getting underneath it all. Like it's not, I always say it's not therapy, but it's therapeutic, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of aha moments and they really see what, you know, how we can sort of hack the interest part if they're having a problem with a certain part of their life. And then there's lots of tips and tricks, but it does go deeper than that. Would you like to talk about music? Yes, of course. Yeah. How is that going for you? And I saw now, I'm going to tell people <laughs> what I observed here. Sure. I said to you, would you like to talk about music? Mm. And it's almost like you came down yeah. two inches in the chair and said, Yes. Yeah. Because you're in your happy place right yeah, now. Yeah. Tell me how music is going for you. And let's let listeners just hear the change in your voice. <laughs> how music is going but for I love you. coaching too. I, do, I really do. I do mean I that. But um, the music, yeah, that is my heart. So, um, yeah, so the music, I just got back from LA. Um, I was there for three months. Um, I missed it so, so much <laughs> during the pandemic. Um so yeah, it's it's going well. I've got some, you know, multiple projects with different amazing Emmy and Grammy winning composers in LA and it's um it's amazing and and actually with the diagnosis as well and I'm on ADHD medication which you don't have to take every day as well which it's it's anyway, that's a whole other mm. uh, conversation, but that has really helped me in my songwriting. Mm-hmm. So I've actually just finished writing an album on my own which I really struggled with before so because I'd get loads of ideas at the same time I'd start with a folk song and it would become a potential Disney song rock song country song by you know by bar eight and then I just wouldn't um, be able to honour the original thought but now I, I, I 
just finished an album, writing an album on my own, which I'm incredibly proud of and excited about. And um, I will be in LA a lot more next year. And I can't really tell you too much more than that, but it's very exciting. And um, yeah, so... You're doing a little bit of a concert soon, are you? Yeah, well, I've just been invited as a as a special guest to um, a wonderful singer-songwriter in Kinsale, where I live. Um, Barry Tierney is putting on a show in the Lord King's Sale with a big production he's part of, of other artists um, that uh, they toured together. I think they had a big show recently in Belfast. So he's on term- tour in Germany, I believe, right now. But um, that is on the 17th of December. I'll be doing a few songs in the Lord King's Sale um, uh in Kinsale, yeah. <laughs> very good, yeah. very good. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just d- delighted to, to see you looking so well. Oh, and, thank you. And being so well, because as, as I said, we've known each other for yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, the future looks bright. Brighter than ever. I mean, I d- I'm just, uh, even the journalist that interviewed me for The Independent, again, she was like, she knows me years as well. And she said, Nella, I've never, can I stop you for a sec? She said, I've never heard you so confident. Yeah. And so, yeah, the diagnosis has really given me so much confidence. I can take up space. I understand my brain. I'm able to help others. And I can write songs without getting distracted. And yeah, it's just, it's And for it's people been who amazing. think that listening to you they might identify with something mm. in their own heads mm. where do they start um do you mean getting on Try to me or a diagnosis on to you. yeah where can they contact you or where can they contact someone who might help them to figure out whether they have ADHD or not well I mean I can chat to anybody I, you know I always offer that but I'm not a, I won't diagnose but sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, ADHD Ireland is amazing. Uh, it's an amazing resource. Um, if somebody wants to book a complimentary intro session for a chat with me, I have my Instagram, which is ADHDiversity. And then my email is ADHDCoachNella at gmail.com. Um, and then my music is Nella at IamNella.com or IamNella.com. Plug, plug. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, but yeah, but if somebody um, thinks that they have ADHD, you know, I would just say, do some research. There's amazing um, uh, accounts online on Instagram, TikTok. There's lots of coaches sharing lots of wonderful um, stuff. And yeah, if you want to have a chat, you know, get on to me, no problem. Um, okay. And yeah, a psychiatrist is, is where you would get a diagnosis and the, the start for that would be the GP, really. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Nella, great talk. <laughs> All right. You. Thanks, for Great talking Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Cheers. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96FM. Okay, just back to the cashless Cork. Actually, no, before I do that, if you want to contact Nella, uh, you can get her on Instagram, ADHDiversity on Instagram. If you want to check out her music, she's at Nella's Music. If you're into gaming, then you will know World of Warcraft and you will know the song or you may know the song Canticle of Sacrifice. That's her. And it went around the world a half dozen times with her voice on it. Canticle of Sacrifice on World of Warcraft. And she toured China doing these gaming concerts where they actually bring the music from video games around in concert form. 0818 96 96 96. Getting back. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Too caring and the need for care staff in, in the health service. Yesterday, I was talking once again with that family in Balancholic that I went to see in August and talking once again yesterday to Sandra about the situation with her dad and the home care and the lack of services and we had Colin Burke on the phone who's been trying his best to be fair to him and they credit him with that trying his level best to help the family but Colin was just saying look the resources are not there the personnel aren't there the HSE has plenty of money to spend but there's nobody to spend it on just now uh, Colin messaged me yesterday afternoon to say that as a result of your interview with Sandra, a young nurse who has a family contacted me and offered to provide support on a voluntary basis to Sandra one morning a week and they've passed on details. It's not a lot, but it's something and I'm sure that the family will really, really appreciate it. And thanks again, Colin, for letting me know that yesterday afternoon. Mary. Hello, um, PJ. Listen, I've been listening obviously to your show recently about the lady yesterday and then um, a few weeks back there you were covering um, the home births. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. And I'm sorry I was nearly in tears yes and like that poor family yesterday and then you know I won't say they're providing a la carte services to people who already have a means of getting their outcome, which is a healthy baby. There is a huge uh, centre of excellence in Cork for them to have their outcome. And yet, resources are being diverted so that they can have, you know, a choice of staying at home to have their baby. But I think, to be fair, what both Colin Burke and... Sandra were saying yesterday it isn't a question of resources the HSE have plenty of money to spend and are willing to spend it it's just there's no one there to spend it on. I'm sorry there would be more people go into it if they were paid properly and looked after properly. Why Mm. don't they increase the amount? It's a minimum wage job in most cases for people going into these and that is why I'm sorry, like kind of thing. That is why we have people coming from abroad to do it. They're not doing it because, you know, I mean, they want to look after the elderly people in, of Ireland. Mm. They're doing it to get money for their families at home because the money that isn't enough for people to go into that profession mm. here isn't enough. Like what? kind of thing. We have we've exactly the same thing with creches. The 
level of of education that they have. These are college education people and they are going in and they are not being paid. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I really don't see Do you think it's down like, to wages? Do you think it's down to that? Now? Well, you see, you have to be careful about that too because if you pay, if people are going into it for the wrong reasons yeah. because of the pay, you, 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 there's a risk you get the wrong people doing it. If, if it's all about the money. Uh, so obviously it isn't. But, you know, as I say, I even, you know, I can see that you go down to your local super value or whatever, like and I'm just using that because it's going near me. <laughs> there are people, when you see some of the girls at the tills there and the assistants, the way they look after the elderly people, yes. you would know that they could go into anyone the difference that it would make to any one of those people to have one of those. And then there are girls there that don't. And it's not for them. And that's, you know, but I suppose there is no incentive, that kind of thing, for people to go into that kind of, you know what I mean? I do. You're saying, right, despite there is plenty of money there, um, but people aren't going into it, and maybe we need to ask ourselves why. Exactly. Why hadn't they been encouraged? People that would, and I'm sure there were there are loads of people who would rather make that difference to somebody's life going in. But it's just so, I won't say ad hoc, you can see how messy it is, you know what I mean? You have somebody one day and you don't have someone the next day. And, you know, you, I mean? the other and problem too, Mary, where, and this came up yesterday and it came up with uh, Colin Walsh brought it up and Sandra brought it up and indeed last week when I was talking to Janet Woodward at Douglas Nursing Home, she brought it mm-hmm. up. Like, Janet has no shortage of staff. She brings them in. They, they are coming in from overseas, but she, she yeah. helps them to find a place to live. The trouble is now she's running out of options in terms of finding a place to live. So even if we had thousands of people coming in to take up jobs like are needed in Sandra's house, there's nowhere for them to live. But like the thing is, as I say, like there are people already living here who would do this job a, if they had the right training and B, if it was worth, you know, if they were paid properly and trained properly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is absolutely, as I say, it, you know, the people coming in to do it aren't doing it for the good of the people of Ireland. You know what I mean? Well, no, like, I mean, if you come you here know, from, and a yeah. lot of people do come here from, from the Philippines and other parts of the yes. world like that. If you come yes. here from the Philippines, you're, you're correct, of course, Mary. Our minimum wage, even from 1st of January now, what will that be, 11.30? Our minimum wage is a multiple of what you'd earn for yes. week's wages in the Philippines. And, you know, it is kind of horrendous in a way that we are taking these people from their families. I know we're paying in some ways like kind of thing but when you look at what we have here ourselves like why aren't people being you know encouraged and I'm I'm not going to use but like I, I just don't believe that the number like I'll give you an example of some I my somebody who has a child in a crash and you know is working you everybody knows that basically you're working for nothing while you have children in a crash yes. you just kind of offer that up for the few years the staff to the crash who are college trained aren't getting much more than minimum wage an hour so but they are just marvelous and you know mm. whatever but one of the girls in the crash who lived in a, an apartment near where she lives um you see her coming in and out and you know say hello or whatever and 
next thing that girl has her own child and is now not working, getting her apartment paid for and able to stay at home and mind her own child all day. Okay. Okay. That's not, you know, it's not really, whereas my sister is still working all the hours, God give her, just to... Just to you keep, know, yeah, keep yeah, that, yeah, you know, there's, there's, but come back to the, the initial point that anyway, you made. The initial point is, I just don't think, basically, unless we, I would consider the resources like we heard there, those um, ladies don't, or the people, home births, I, yeah. I think the home births and, and the ambulance that has to be on standby and all these resources. And I just think. While there are people who need services, however those resources need to be reallocated or redistributed or whatever, we need to prioritise the vulnerable. And I really don't think, you know, that it is fair for people to expect, I won't say a la carte services. It's like they want an a la carte menu and there are people not getting a basic Mary, you're you're suggesting though that people who want to have a home birth are you suggesting that we wouldn't let them do that so that we can have carers for people in in, in, in house? Absolutely. I'm sorry, like they they can get the, the outcome that they want from the service is available without the like the, the outcome is just a healthy baby and that can be achieved without any additional resources okay. being allocated okay. in that area. Okay. The outcome for the family yesterday cannot be. Okay. However, those resources need to be redistributed or reallocated or recaught or whatever. We need to get the outcomes for the people who really need it. Okay. And then we can look at you, know, you, you you would consider. Um, yeah. I don't want to put word in your mouth, so tell me. If yeah. you, tell me if I'm wrong here. Yes. You would consider home birth a luxury. I think it's like an a la carte services when we're not providing basic meals to, and that is the that is the analogy okay. I would use. All right, Mary. Thank you very much. Interesting point. I wonder who'll take her up on it. She reckons that effectively home birth and things associated with it is a luxury when you have families like Sandra and her mum and dad and indeed Callie who called us yesterday. Hi Cal, if you listen uh, Callie called us yesterday uh, give my best to Lauren, won't you? Um, there's another a friend of mine, uh, Lauren Walsh who is entitled to very high-end care through the HSE. She's entitled practically to round-the-clock care. Not getting it. She's not getting it because the people aren't there. People are not there. The money is there. The HSE are prepared to spend it, but the people aren't there to spend it on. Kate wants to know, are the foreign workers getting paid the same as if an Irish person was doing the job? Well, yes, Kate, they legally have to be. If you come over from the Philippines and you go into a job, you must get the wage that the same person that the Irish person gets or the same wage that the Irish person gets. Certainly, Janet Woodward in Douglas Nursing Home is paying the people coming in from overseas the very same as she'd be paying somebody here. It's just they're not here to do the job. They're coming in from, from overseas. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And like I said yesterday with Colin Burke, he got back on to me in the afternoon uh, to say that a nurse that he knows who has a young family had come forward to offer some voluntary assistance to Sandra one morning a week. And look, it's not a lot, but it is 
something. They opened at the weekend. They're having great houses already. Everyone loving Cinderella. I got a lovely message last night from Catherine Mahan Buckley to say my little voiceover appearance is getting a good laugh and even got some applause. I'm very chuffed at that. Yeah, I am. I'm in the panto for about 30 seconds now. Let's not, let's not, and it's recorded. Uh, I know I beat it up last, last week, but I'm excited. I'm in the panto. Anyway, we have got a great night out to give you every day this week for two lucky families. Today, the Everyman getting together with ourselves and Gallagher's on McCurtain Street. Uh, on the 29th of December, family of four passed to see Cinderella dinner or pre-show meal at Gallagher's for four people. And we have two of those prizes to give away. So two families going to the Panto and going for dinner at Gallagher's on 29th December. We give that away in the next hour. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Controversial Scottish satirist and comedian Frankie Boyle is set to bring his lap of shame show to Cork Opera House in the new year when he plays the venue on Thursday, March 23rd. Tickets are on sale now from the venue's box office and from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access all areas. Ollie Moores returns to Cork to play live at the Marquee as he tours the release of Marry Me, his first new studio album in over four years. He comes to Leaside on Friday, June 9th with very special guest True Tides with tickets on sale now. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, there's Callie on the line now. We were talking about you five minutes ago, I Callie. know. I just heard, Jez. I was doing me bits and bobs. Hi, PJ. I, I suppose, to be honest, you could actually do a whole show on the crisis in home care. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think people can fully understand how stressful and hard it is unless you're involved in the situation. You're a fantastic supporter of Lauren. You've always been a fantastic supporter of Lauren, but Lauren is in total crisis. In actual fact, since July 2019, Lauren is funded for 14 hours a day of nursing and four hours a day of home care. As you know, PJ, she has just so much going on. Her home is like a mini hospital. She is battling such a horrible illness. And you're very well aware, without me going into detail, how horrible the illness is. Since 2019, we have not had those 14 hours a day nursing care supplied to us. And I should stress, Kelly, these are fully funded. There's no question. There's no no question about the funds. The money is there. She fought for over two years for that funding to get home. Um, There is the 14 hours a day nursing not covered. And the four hours a day she had home care has gone down to minutes. Now, since she came out of hospital at the end of September, as you know, she had uh, fighting for her life with sepsis for a couple of months. We have now got a nurse two nights a month. That, but that could be subject to, like, you know, the nurse, if the nurse is unwell or couldn't come. Now, bear in mind, too, and we're thrilled and absolutely thrilled with the nurse for the two nights a month. But bear in mind, she's supposed to have a nurse 14 hours a day. Yes. Two hours in the morning, two in the afternoon, and ten hours at night through the whole night. She's supposed to have and someone have, staying with her. Yeah. Yes. And now our our carers, um, they come and go, and now we're, we have no four-hour carer whatsoever coming into her during the day. 
it's just, you know, you just get to a point, PJ, where I can honestly put my hand up and say, I think both of us have post-traumatic stress from it because we wake up every single morning wondering who we have to write to, who we have to email, who we have to phone. Everybody involved in Lauren's care is fully aware that she does not have what she is funded for. I have gone to everybody, PJ, everybody that I can honestly think of. And it's just so destroying that you actually email some of these people and they will not even reply to your email. And the hardest part of it is, Kelly, I think for yourself and for the other families that I'm talking to, is knowing we we complain so much about a lack yeah. of money. The flipping money is there. The money is there. PJ, I'm going to tell you something. The HSE should be hiring the people themselves, nurses and carers, because agencies are not working. You 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 are not guaranteed someone coming. You can you can actually get a phone call an hour before a carer is to come to you that they're not coming. What is the patient supposed to do at home with nobody? And that, that happens. You get no notice. And then when you say nobody is coming, can you send someone else? Oh, no, we've nobody else to come. Yeah. You, can, you can come home. We came home thinking that we had some bit of care. Unfortunately, carers move on and then you're left with nothing. And what the, the agencies do, they hand back your whole care plan to the HSE. Like Lauren made a very good statement and she said, like, agencies are handing back your care plan to the HSE. Well, why to her? And I thought she made a very good point. Well, why are they getting other people then? Should they not look after the people who are in the community as it is yeah. before they take on new people? Yeah. It's a and the point field. you make, Kelly, is a very strong one too. That the agencies, with the best will in the world, it's not the same as actual staff. So if the HSE have all of this money to spend, mm-hmm. why aren't they spending it on actual staff? Yeah, and hired, like we, it has been suggested uh, to the HSC that they, we have tried the agency route. It is not working for Lauren. Like they, we have begged and begged them to hire Lauren's staff directly, both nursing and carers, that we'd have some continuity. And for the staff, if they're hired through the HSC, PJ, they have, they, they have more, um, they have a better job, I would imagine. I would imagine oh, yeah. the pay is probably better. Yeah. The conditions they get, how are do they better. Pay? They get pension and Exactly. Carers in agencies are zero contract. So there's no, like, there's no continuity of care. But, like, people, like, nobody realizes how actually soul destroying it is to be at home with no care. And then I find it very insulting, PJ, and Lauren finds it very insulting when you're told then your only option is to go into an acute hospital, which in Lauren's case is CUH. It's bad enough that Lauren has to go in there when she is acutely unwell, like she's mm-hmm. nearly always acutely unwell, but, you know, yeah. Lauren can manage quite well when she is well at if she, home. If the care is the provided, care. she can manage at home quite well. Exactly. Yeah, I know, I know. Kelly, listen, thank you. You make your point extremely well and give her my best, give her my absolute best and give give Archie a scratch for me as well. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We'll talk later in the week about that Meghan and Harry documentary when it actually does drop. But the trailers are just full of holes. 
absolutely full of holes. Alex was asking, isn't using stock footage normal in these documentaries? Maybe the footage from the actual events couldn't have been obtained and these were similar enough. See, similar enough isn't enough, Alex, when you're making a documentary. Like, there's one scene in this trailer, and all we've seen is a trailer, where the press are apparently hounding Harry and Meghan. There's a scene clearly suggesting the press is hounding Harry and Meghan. But the thing is, that particular scene was filmed five years before they ever met. He was dating Chelsea Davy when they filmed that scene. So, <laughs> you know, that you've got to be authentic. But look, we'll talk about it more later in the week when people have a chance to actually see it. 0818 96 96 96, the number. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. That is the easiest way to get in touch with us out of hours, as it were, when you're listening to one of our many podcasts and we do nearly 30 podcasts a week, including the full show every day, which you get around the three o'clock mark and then individual sections of the show are uploaded uh, almost immediately after midday. We will, for example, be uploading today my chat with uh, Dr. Stefan about the e-cigarettes. He was very anxious that young people would get to hear what he had to say. So we're putting that podcast up and that'll be up before one o'clock and many others throughout the course. But if you are looking to contact us out of hours, email is always the best. Opinion at 96fm.ie Now, uh, I have the couple of boxes of beer put aside for the Christmas. Um, The beer of choice varies in my house. I remember the very early days of homebrew. I can remember friends of mine who tried it. Remember going to a guy's house one time and he had been talking about this homebrew for months on end. And we were treated to this exhibition of bottles and poured out and a beautiful looking head and it was lovely looking stuff. It was lovely looking stuff and it was served at just the right temperature when we went for Christmas drinks. And honest to God, I wouldn't have used it to kill weeds. I had pity on the weeds. The problem with homebrewed beer, making your own beer, was it was almost inevitably or invariably brutal. It was like something came out at the back of the dishwasher with a drop of alcohol in it. That's, that was then. This was now. Tansy, or Tandy rather, is the designer, planner and editor at Beer Ladies, the Beer Ladies podcast. Morning, Tandy. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Brewing your own has changed. <laughs> I have I have memories. I honest to God, I would not have put this stuff on weeds. I'd have had more pity for the weeds. <laughs> I just listened to your story there, and honestly, it 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 just sounds like um like everybody's memories from back in the day. You know, the seventies and eighties, where people wanted to make their own beer mostly to save money, um, but it didn't come out well, and you know, not everybody had access to the kind of information that we do today. <laughs> it's all changed now. It has. I mean, I think you, you know, with with the YouTube and with books that have come out, you know, you really can learn the science behind brewing, and and the art behind it as well, uh, in a in a much better way than what I guess people um, could back <laughs> back in the days. Mm. How easy is it 
to brew your own? Say, right, it's two and a half weeks to Christmas now. Is it possible, Mm. for example, to brew something nice to have on Christmas Day or is it too late now? I'd say it's a little too late now. Um, You could brew something if you had the kind of setup um, where instead of bottle conditioning, which is letting it carbonate in the bottle, if you were going to keg it, uh, you could have it ready for Christmas. But for a good beer, you need anything between four weeks and up to 12 months, depending on the style. So people plan well in advance for Christmas. I see. Talk to me about the Beer Ladies podcast. You've dozens and dozens mm. and dozens of episodes. When did it start? <laughs> yeah, we, we started, we were a podcast born out of the pandemic. Um, so through sheer boredom and through one of the one of the breaks in lockdown, a bunch of um, sort of my friends and I, and we're all women and ladies into beer. We went on a bit of a road trip down to um, down to Galway and had, you know, had an idea after a few beers, as one does, to create a podcast. <laughs> and uh, so we're now on season three. So it's been, it's the third year that we're running. And we've got sort of different um, hosts every year. We've had um, friends come in for one season and some people have been with us for all three so far. But at the moment, there's four of us. And uh, we're all just women who are interested in beer. Uh, one of our hosts, Christina, is a historian. Um, another one of our hosts, Lisa, used to be an archaeologist back in the day, so knows a lot about beer history and beer archaeology. And then we've got Katie, who's our sort of local Irish uh, fountain of knowledge and gives us a really unique Irish perspective since the other three of us are, are imports. And um, I try and bring a bit of homebrewing and style guide knowledge to the team. You said beer Beer archaeology. Mm. What's that? There's, you don't mind me asking. Well, you see, there's um, now I'm not the archaeologist of the group, so I'm learning still. But um, when when archaeologists do digs of any kind, you know, often they've got to try and make a um, a judgment on what something was. And what often happens is that people see things like. Um, grains or uh, evidence of fires and they might think that people were cooking but it could also be that they were brewing because back in the day you'd be roasting your grains or brewing beer in a big cauldron or a pot so there's lots of um, historical artifacts that could be read like one way or the other but archaeologists with some brewing knowledge or beer archaeologists or brewing archaeologists often are able to discern yeah okay so you go to an archaeological dig and you find something oh look they were brewing their own beer Mm. I remember years ago, Tandy, talking to someone about you know when when if you like craft beer began to become a thing, uh, right? That, but like if you like wine, and I do, you you travel the world and you will always find a local red wine or a local white wine, and you know you you kind of it's it's rude not to if you know what I mean. <laughs> there there is that for same variety with beer that many parts of the world have their own unique way of brewing they have your own their own unique style and their own unique taste is that true yeah that is true um there are certain styles that you would see let's say or come from certain parts of the world so we talk about a vice beer coming from germany or we talk about um you know belgian ales strong belgian ales coming from belgium and um, there are certain styles that come from certain places, but a lot of countries now or a lot of brewers in different countries are brewing those styles anyway. Yeah. What I think makes it quite interesting when you travel is trying to find beers that are using uh, local or indigenous ingredients. Now, that's something that you can um, really have a have a whole world tour about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen beer with chocolate, for example, or beer with banana. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, sometimes banana, you wouldn't often add the fruit itself, but there is uh, yeast strains that will give you those that banana flavor. Yeah. And that's what you find in a, in a vice beer or a, a wheat beer. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's the esters. It's a, it's a compound that the yeast produces. It smells and tastes like banana. It's delicious. Yeah, it is. I've actually tasted banana beer, and it is lovely. And mm. chocolate beer is not bad either. I mean, lovely. I, I do. I, is it is is it is beer a kind of a general label? Like there's lager, there's ale, there's stout. Mm. Like I'd be I'd be in the mm-hmm. winter time anyway, Tandy. I'd be I'd be a stout drinker. Mm. Um, is we the, do see that people like to drink seasonally. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are loads of different beer styles. You know, there's um an organization called the BJCP. It's the Beer Judge Certification Program. Yeah. And you can become a judge and all these things. But one of the big things that they do is they categorize and try and simplify the amount of beer styles that there are in the world. And there are hundreds. hundreds yeah. <laughs> so sometimes yeah, sometimes the difference is very nuanced and very minor between two different styles. But let's say the difference between a porter and a stout is not that great. But the difference between a stout and a light lager Mm. is quite a departure. Yes, yes. Porter versus stout is an acquired... You, you, you kind of wouldn't know the difference unless you were told. But, exactly. But, but yeah. when, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they look different. A stout, mm. a, stout a, a stout and a lager. All right, Tandy, stay there with me, and I'm going to bring in at this point a John Mangan, who's involved with Rebel Brewers Home Brew. John, I don't know if you can remember the day when you'd go to a friend's house and you'd be praying, going up the driveway, that what they were going to give you would be something that you could at least stomach. That's uh, all changed. I, Morning. I, I'm not that old. Good morning, Peter. Uh, I'm not that old, thankfully, uh, but I, I have heard a lot of anecdotal kind of stories of that, and I suppose that might have been the case. Um, what's happened over the past uh, uh, 10, 20 years, I suppose, since the advent of internet and forums and online groups and so on, um, is that the amount of knowledge that's available and the amount of knowledge that people share has just shot up. It's like there's just huge amounts of knowledge and information on the internet from everything from uh, within the group that I'm involved in, the National Home Brew Club. Um, there, we have uh, a website and there's a forum. Uh, the, so nationalhomebrewclub.ie. Mm. And if you go in there and just, uh, I don't know for any of the listeners that are interested in home brewing, if they want to get involved, all you got to do is go as far as nationalhomebrewclub.ie, look for the forum, Register. It doesn't cost anything and you can go in and you can learn and you can, I suppose, learn from my mistakes and everybody else's mm-hmm. mistakes because, you know, a huge part of learning is getting something wrong and then you got to yeah. analyse it and find out, like, well, how do I fix this? Is it know? expensive to get yourself set up? It's not. Well, listen, it's it's uh, you can buy you can buy a secondhand banger and you can drive down the road or you can visit your Ferrari dealership. So uh, it's it's however much you want to spend in it, and quite honestly, some of the best beers that I've had from home brewers have been from guys with very rudimentary systems. Mm. Uh, so it can be as simple as a bucket uh, uh, and a bucket and a can of malt and a bag of sugar, a packet of yeast. There's a couple of things that you need, and you can get that quite cheaply. So your, to your question, which was, is it expensive to get started? No, it's not, but it's where do you want to stop? So you can start for less than a hundred euros. Um, mm. The home, the homebrew company in Leash, 
they have got uh, Christmas kits uh, that they have and uh, the, sorry the, the homebrew company Christmas starter kit and they're around about 60 euros now right. I'm not kind of selling their wares have nothing to do with them yeah. I get stuff from them I find it reliable the homebrew company is one there's a company in uh, Antrim uh, Getter Brewed G-E-T-E-R-B-R-E-W-E-D mm. um, and there's Homebrew West in Galway and there would be three of the main kind of distributors uh, of homebrewing uh, equipment kits ingredients chemicals all that right. kind of stuff and John what got like, you into it? that's a very long <laughs> I, I've, I've an interest in kind of cooking and I was tinkering with bread going back a number of years. That fell by the wayside. And a conversation uh, when I was working with a company previously over tea break was like, well, how do you make beer? And somebody suggested you can make uh, ginger beer by getting ginger sugar, yeast, and put it into a bottle and uh, with water and shake it up. And after a couple of days, you've got ginger beer. The conversation developed further and we got into... Uh, well, how do you make real beer? Like, you know, so Guinness or Heineken or whatever. Mm. And uh, we started doing a bit of research. We found um, an online Irish company that sold kits. So it's like a bucket, a tin of malt, a bag of sugar, uh, a bottling, a bottle capper and bottle caps. You collect your own bottles so you don't buy those. Mm. And uh, just got into it. That was uh, 2011. So I'm I'm doing this for about 11 years at this point. And do you have your own particular favourite? Like, yeah, would you have... Well, is there, is there a Mangans? Like, just... <laughs> Uh, well, I, I make stout every now and then, oh, and nice. my wife quite likes the stout that I make. So, um, but it's it's very much a kind of a sociable thing. Um, like I'll make beers that I like, and sometimes I might make it, and I'm not happy with the result. But other people might say, "Well, I do you know what I think that's fantastic." Yes. Um, and I suppose what everybody wants to do when they're doing it is to get uh, positive feedback from your peers. So if you've got other home brewers who are um, making beer and you taste one and say, wow, that tastes amazing. And, and quite honestly, some of some of the the guys that I know, some of my friends, uh, they would be making beers that are better than commercial, right. uh, in my opinion. Yes, the yes. taste, the flavour, the freshness, everything is so much better than mm. the stuff you would get off the mainstream brewers. There, there, there's, and there's one last one before I go back to, to, to Tandy briefly. Is it true that it would blow the head off you? Or is that something you can control? Uh... Well, you can go out and get a bottle of vodka if you want to do that. Yeah. Or you can sit and you can make something. If you're making a cake, you're not going to pile in the raisins of tannins because yeah. you need the flour to bind it together. So it's, it's in the so, mix. Yeah, you, you could if you wanted to, but um, that's not what you would be aiming for. You want yeah. to do something that's going to be palatable, that you can share, yes. that you can have a few responsibly yes. and so on. Do you know, like, but you, will, like, you, will you have something ready now for the Christmas when people come over for Christmas? Will you have something in the fridge for them? Yeah, well, I've got a pale ale. I know Tandy mentioned stouts and seasonality and so on. Now, uh, my wife is going to kill me if I don't put on a stout. But uh, so I, I could. Uh, it would be a squeeze. It would be very fresh. But I could probably put one on now and have it ready for Christmas. Mm. Mm. Do you know? But um, but within like where we are now down in Cork, like we are the the rebel brewers, um, the kind of the um, uh, what we do is we meet up every now and then. A big part of it is the social or the the community aspect of it. And the NHC are big into kind of promoting kind of local clubs and um, participation. Uh, there's events on every year, like the um, National Homebrew Championship 
which is like a home brewing competition where uh, Tandy mentioned BJCP. Uh, BJCP certification, um, what it does is you've got people who have got a good understanding of beers and they mm. would take, you know, 10 different stouts and have a sip out of each one of them, uh, do an analysis on these and uh, uh, rate them in style or, uh, you know, flavour, aroma and mm. so on and compare them and goes through a process but essentially you would have one winner with the kind of, you know, the, the brewer of the year or sort yeah, of thing yeah. within homebrew circles, you know. Well, well, good luck when all that comes up for you, uh, yeah. John. And uh, maybe we'll talk again sometime. Thank you very much. That's John Mangan of the Rebel Brewers Homebrew Club. Tandy, it's it's a <clears throat> big cottage industry now. The podcast is on all the platforms, isn't it? It is. It's, it's wherever you can listen to a podcast, as well as on YouTube. So you could watch or listen, um, depending on your uh, on your flavour. And so, yeah, every Friday a new episode comes out. And we, yeah, we've been going for three seasons and, and growing each year. All right. Okay, thank you. That's Tandy from the Beer Ladies podcast. And thanks also to John Mangan. Have you ever fancied brewing your own? Uh, but would you try it? I'd love to try it. It's so many. I have so many bad memories from people who tried making their own beer. I'd love to try some good homebrew, properly chilled and properly ready. See what I thought of it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. No, I'm not scrounging for free beer. I'm not. Please don't be thinking that. Wouldn't turn it down, mind you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Back to oh yeah, we had a message from Sandra Walsh. You'd remember in the past hour, we were talking again about the caring system and the carers and the fact that there's loads of money out there in the HSE. There's no shortage of money. There just isn't the people to spend it on. So the HSE has plenty of money in the bank to provide care, but it doesn't have the people, and the agencies don't seem to have the people to get the carers out to people's houses and Mary rang and we were talking for a few minutes but one of the things she was saying was we are providing for those who want it an a la carte home birth service and she said would it not be better to prioritise the vulnerable who need the assistance in their homes look that's Mary's argument and she's entitled to it but Sandra Walsh uh, who I was talking to just yesterday, got on straight away. She said, morning, PJ. I totally respect everyone's personal opinion. However, I wish to clarify, I'm not suggesting for one second that a reallocation of resources is required from one area of HSE funding to another. Personally, I don't see home birth as a luxury. In fact, I see the point it might even be safer or even the only option if a woman is living somewhere like the Beira Peninsula. We had that discussion. What's lacking in our case is not financial resources, rather the human resources on the ground. The caller is right when she said they need better pay and better treatment. The job, when done right, is physically and mentally demanding. I also heard from Cullum about the lady offering voluntary services to us. Frankly, her kindness made me cry. People like her restore my faith in humanity is hoping the powers that be can stop relying on volunteers like this angel and put properly paid people on our service. Thanks again for the airtime. Hopefully I won't be back in another six months telling the same story. Happy Christmas to all at 96M and to your listeners. And that is from Sandra. Sandra, thank you and you're welcome anytime.
and uh, my best to your mum and your dad also. On Nella and our conversation about ADHD, you can take medication, whoever was asking that question. Can you take medication for ADHD? You can. Indeed you can. Um, Nella said she takes it from time to time, but not all the time. But yes, indeed, you can take uh, medication for ADHD, but only, I would suspect, on the advice of a doctor. Better again, the advice of a psychiatrist. 0818 96 96 96. All right, will we do this now? We'll do this now. You can't go to the ball looking like that. The ball? Oh, but I'm not. Of course you are. Callers 10 and 11. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. With your local mace, amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. An evening of Christmas music will take place at the Lock Church on Tuesday, the 20th of December at 8 pm. Cork Hushowen, a Cork City based choir, will be joined by Cork soprano Gemma Magner and the children of Cork Skullverita Eglantine. A night of festive favourites. The concert will be in aid of St. Vincent de Paul Cork, and you can buy tickets at eventbrite.ie or at the door on the night. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to Cork Diary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary with CorkSimon.ie because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96fm. All right, Noreen Morrison is in Ballycotton. Hey, Noreen. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. You heard our audio. Who will you be bringing to the Panto on the 29th? Oh, I'll bring my two granddaughters and my two grandsons. Okay, we can arrange all of that. And we'll get you for Grub as well at Gallagher's. Oh, lovely. 29th of December at 7 o'clock. And also, let me see, Mary is in coach for Mary Murphy. Hello. Hello, PJ. Hi. How are you? Who are you going to bring with you? I'm going to bring uh, two grandchildren. Fantastic. All right. So 29th of December, you'll be off to see the Panto Cinderella at the Everyman. Mary Murphy from Coachford and Nori Morris from Bally Cotton with everyone to bring with you. And thanks to Gallagher's on McCurtain Street, also a pre-show meal. Each of you a pre-show meal for four people. And then off to the Everyman with a family of four pass. We'll do the same again tomorrow. We'll have more giveaways, more family passes and more meals out. Celebrating all this week with the classic tale Cinderella, this year's panto at the Everyman. Uh, Open now and running until Sunday 15th January. EverymanCork.com for more details. You can stop calling now. We've got our winners for today. We'll do it with you again tomorrow. 0818 96 96 96. So much talk about cashlessness and the cashless world and the increasingly cashless world. We had a message, for example, this morning. One Cork restaurant is really annoying me. It's near where I live. They only accept card. I was there a while back. I just had cash on me. They won't take cash for payment. They insist you can buy a voucher with your cash. Ah, come here. You can buy a voucher with your cash and then use that. Another thing, your, your, your meal might come to 80 euro. The voucher needs to be 100 and no change. So you're stuck with a useless voucher. Has this happened to anyone else? But this idea that A, you can't pay for your dinner with cash, or that B, you can buy a voucher with cash and use that for your dinner. 
That's just ridiculous. Another problem is if we're all walking around with cards in our pockets, I don't know if you've seen them, but these little gadgets that they use now to take a contactless payment, they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And an expert at UCC has warned of a thing called cyber pickpocketing. Pocketless pick or contactless pickpocketing. It is a thing. People walking past you and they're carrying a little gadget. And before you know it, they've whipped your card. While it's in your pocket or in your wallet, they've whipped your card for 10 or 20 or 30 quid. It is a thing. And it's been happening around Cork. Dr. Paolo Palmieri uh, joins me to talk about it. Contactless pickpocketing, Paolo. Morning. Good morning and, and thank you for having me. Uh, yes, this is essentially how it works. So um, modern uh, bank cards, debit cards and uh, uh, credit cards, as we all know, will work wirelessly. So they will work uh, with a contactless uh, point of sale. So the device you tap the card on um, and that will process the payment. And of course, uh, that works in regular transactions, but if... Um, uh, if a malicious person, if uh, if a thief, if a digital thief, uh, we, we may say, uh, at a fraudulent point of sale, they could initiate uh, a transaction with uh, with the card without the user necessarily knowing. If uh, they're close enough to the person, the person keeps the bank card in uh, in their pocket. Um, you know, a, a short distance um, would may be enough to to initiate the transaction and take five, ten euros from from the card without the user realizing and some of these terminals now are really small anyway they're little handheld ones they're smaller than a phone themselves they are they are and they're designed in many cases to be mobile so they're designed for example for tradesmen that um, you know they're not located in a in a shop or, or in an office so they may uh, need to take payment uh, on the go, taxi drivers uh, and so on. Uh, they're normally linked to the person's mobile phone and they're designed to be uh, used around. Uh, so, so yeah, they're, they're small devices, battery powered. Hmm. And they're connected wirelessly to the thief's own phone, correct? Normally, yes, yeah. Or directly to the cloud. But in most instances, they will be connected to a phone, to the... Um, normally the, the, the person taking the payments phone and then the phone will send the information back to the cloud where the, the um, payment is processed. Yeah, it really is contactless pickpocketing. How did it come to your attention, Dr. Palmieri? Was it people contacted you to say, how is this happening? Well, it happened just by chance. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to mention the name of the pub, but of it course. just happened to be in a, in a pub in Cork City. And, um, you know, I was talking with my wife, and I suppose it was uncrowded at the time. And the, 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 uh, the owner of the pub noticed me speaking about my work, and I work in cybersecurity. I lecture in cybersecurity at UCC, and, um, and he took an interest in that and told me, you know what happened, you know, the other day? Uh, you know, several people came to me and complained that you know I made a, <laughs> I took more money than I should have from their, uh, from their, um, uh, from their cards, and uh, but I quickly realized that you know that wasn't a mistake done by me or any of the bartenders. This was somebody who was actually 
um, using uh, some way to take people's money from their yeah. cards. Because like, if I go to the counter in, in a pub and I, I pay, or a restaurant and I, and I pay, then will the the thief, will the money they take show up as having come from the same premises? Is that how it works? Well, uh, it could. So the, the reality is that uh, there isn't a strict rule on what is written in the reference of the payment. Right? Yes. I mean, if you, if you check your, uh, your bank app, you will see several different things. Some shops use just the shop name. Some other places, they may use even the name of the out- item that was bought, or they may introduce a, a, a reference number. So Pretty much you're free once you obtain one of these um, point of sales to, to decide what will be uh, written on there. So you could simply use the same uh, string, the same sentence, the okay. same words as, as a place. But, uh, I mean, even uh, – or use a generic or a very generic right. such as, you know, word such as beer or pub. And these things can be programmed to show up in whatever way you want them to show up, Correct. Yeah, yeah, this is a feature. I mean, <laughs> it's so that vendors can personalize uh, their mm. reference to their needs. Okay, so if, say, a plumber has them, he could put it up as John the Plumber. Exactly, yeah. I see. I got you. I got you. It's a very insidious form of theft, isn't it, Paolo? It is, and because it normally involves uh, small amounts for each person, but many, many people in a short amount of time, mm. it is relatively low risk for the thief because most people uh, may not notice that, you know, five or 10 euros were t- was taken from their card. If they were out for the whole day, they may have several transactions anyway, several legitimate transactions, a coffee, a, a beer in the pub, a few items, boats in different shops. So they may not go through all of them and check them. Yeah. Uh, and even if people do notice, sometimes they feel that for five euros, it's not you know, worth uh, reporting it to the Gardi, which will probably involve going to the Garda station, filling in a report and, mm. and, and so on. I, I will, of course, recommend people to do that because that's the only way uh, these crimes can be investigated. But I understand that people are busy and sometimes for for a small amount, they may not uh, have the time or, or, or be able or willing to do so. Yeah. But for the thief, this is different because they will be able to collect many of these payments. So for them, a lot of small amounts become a big amount. Yes. Having this handheld device in a crowd, they're just passing people, the wallet in the back pocket. You just hold it up to the back pocket. You don't have to... In a, in a crowded place, it could get... It could be quite profitable in a, in a short space of time. Yes, yes, and crowded is, is the key here. Of course, you are much more likely to notice something like that if, uh, if you're not in a crowded space, but, you know, um, uh, in a place like a pub on a Saturday night, for example, mm. or any other nightclub, or even in a shop, let's say on Black Friday or, uh, you know, close to Christmas when there will be crowds, I will advise people to pay a bit more attention, perhaps. Um, and there are a few things that people can do to protect themselves. I was going to ask you that. Is there, a, is there a way you can keep your card away from these things? Well, uh, so there are some wallets which will have uh, a, um, 
uh, a blocking technology is not really a technology. It's uh, normally just a, a very thin sheet of uh, metal, normally, normally aluminum, which will prevent the car from being uh, red uh, when it is inside the wallet. So there are wallets that provide that. Um, there are even, if one doesn't want to change the wallet, there are even uh, uh, card uh, slips. You can uh, place the card in and mm. then placed in the wallet obviously this is a bit less convenient um of course you know keeping the cards in a non-obvious place such as the back pocket uh, may may also work uh, another thing people can do of course but this will be just to notice something has happened rather than prevent it is to um uh, set up the one's bank up um, so that it notifies you of any amount uh, that is being spent on the card now, that may become a bit tedious if uh, one makes many transactions every day, but, uh, but it is useful and it will alert you of mm. any fraudulent transaction uh, in, such as these or even online fraudulent transactions, for example, on websites and so on. So it, it may be something to consider. Of course, we talk of using cards, and again, many of us still do, but increasingly, particularly young people, Paolo, use their phone. Are, are they vulnerable to this kind of theft if they are using their phone? to pay? Well, yes and no. So uh, the good thing about paying with the phone is that the phone, unlike a card, is not always active for payment. So the card is, although it's called a smart card, it's not that smart. So it will always be open to initiate a transaction yeah. to pay. While a phone, will, you will normally have to enter the app, normally log in somehow, perhaps using, uh, you know, um, uh, biometric authentication, such as the face or the fingerprint, and only then will the phone yeah. uh, be allowed to make a payment. So from that point of view, it is a bit more secure. On the other hand, I have to say that we keep adding more and more features to our phones and more and more de- data about ourselves. We now have our personal email, our work email, our messaging applications, we pay through our phone, and a lot of our lives happen on those devices. So obviously, for an attacker, for a malicious person, a phone becomes a really valuable target. If you steal someone's phone, you have many, many ways of um, you know, uh, obtaining their information, making front-run transactions, and so on. So while the technology on phones is better than on smart cards, it's also true that they do contain a lot more data about ourselves and therefore they're more valuable. There, there's an old saying journalists have about their phones, oh my goodness, my life is in there. But your life is in there for an awful lot of people now. Yeah, it is. that is the case. And um, that is the trend. Uh, I, I think, I mean, uh, this will continue to be the case. But we need to realize that if, um, if our life is in our phones, then we really need to take good care about the security of those devices because they, if lost or stolen, it could really hurt us at many, many levels. Dr. Palmieri, thank you very much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Cheers. That's Dr. Paolo Palmieri. Um, so be careful where you put your card in that crowded pub over the Christmas and possibly better off leave the card at home and pay with the phone is what he seems to be telling me there if that's what you want to do or else just go and get some flipping cash um, because they're out there and they're little small little things that fit in the palm of your hand and they're passing by you in a crowd and they're tapping up against you and you know before you know and it's very lucrative for them
you have been warned. Contactless pickpocketing. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Have a listen to this and tell me do you hear anything in it that is familiar? Listen now. Do you hear that? What's that sound? Not not the beat though, just listen to this again. I swear to God, that's an Echo Boy. That's an Echo Boy. It is an Echo Boy. We'll find out more in a minute. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Corks 96 FM. All right, Mary Murphy from Coachford, who won with us on the Everyman Panto giveaway a few minutes back. Can you give us a call back? Mary, uh, we think the number we have for you is incorrect. All right, Mary Murphy from Coachford. Or if she's down in the shop telling you, you know what happened? I won with PJ. Tell her to give us a call because the number we have for her, we think, is incorrect. 0818 96 96 96. Now, now that is what you heard. Yeah? Yep. It is an echo boy. That dance track has been put together by Aaron O'Sullivan. Aaron, how are you? Very good, PJ. How are you? That's cool. That's almost <laughs> as much fun as the time the guy worked the leg fragger and a kishtgukuramuk at the start of section A into oh, a dance yeah, track. Yeah. Do you remember that one? I remember that one well, then. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what gave you the idea? And that's an iconic sound. That's the that's the guy outside the GPO, isn't it? So yeah, I'm actually right here, right now, outside the post office. Ah, yeah. Um, I just happened to be passing by. But it, it was a similar thing. I was just with a friend of mine, and we were like, this would be great in a song, or like in a in a, in a dance track or something. Right. So I actually just recorded on my phone and uh, just put it together at home. It was only for the crack, really. But, yeah. Um, and did it you put him into a synth? Then, you know? Do you just record him and then put him into a synth, and the synth does the exactly note? right? That's like a sampler, you know. I put I put him, I airdropped from my phone to my laptop. You can right. kind of just pitch it around and um, put kind of just a, a typical dance beat behind it. And um, I'm kind of trying to downplay it, but um, no, don't because yeah. that that's like that's as pure cork now as the ball and chain. This is it, though. I mean, the the amount of um, the, the response on TikTok is huge. Like, I mean, there's nearly ten thousand likes on it, and I don't know how many views now, but it keeps it keeps coming up every day. People are still engaging. Well, you, what you um, need to do now is you need to get a vocalist onto that and and get a get a pure Cork verse onto that. And before you that's know a it, because yeah. that's 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 genius. <laughs> like his vo- and any, I guarantee you, we've listeners in the four corners of the world from Cork. Yeah, <laughs> that's the sound of home life. It's the sound of home life. <laughs> You have a hit on your hands here, young man. I don't mind telling you. It's a, it's a Cork number one. You I, know, you know what? Well, this, the Cork people and the Echo. Do you know what? You, if you if you yeah. got him if you got him shouting about the Hollybow, you could have been in a hundred countries. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, well, that's so. You just got this notion. Nice, so ah, it's 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 great. And like I guess, look, I'm around long enough to remember when we used reels of tape, and we'd have to cut that a thousand times and different reels of tapes and cart and you'd sweat yeah. blood. Now it's all done digitally. Does it make it easier or does it make it more difficult? 
Well, there he I is behind you now, look. It, yeah, he's there. He's there. I mean, it, it makes it technically easier. Um, you can do it a lot faster. But I suppose, like, the traffic is far higher now, you know? Mm. Everyone is sampling everything. But uh, it's just, it's these little niche things. These, if you find something that's kind of iconic, yes. that kind of, um, that helps. But, um, like, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of leading DJs in the world now are just sampling old songs something yes fully and that's that's kind of what's making things stand out and it's how how you do it but yeah. my, my way was it wasn't anything too complicated i just like if i take exactly that word and pitch it around three times how can how can it be a song yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure someone has done it before is going to do it again but um well not with that sound uh, they haven't no it's funny i don't know i, I obviously hit a hit a niche there yeah, um, and is it well, yeah, just a generic it. track? Is it just a generic production track, or what is it? No, I, I made it myself, really. Um, oh, I, you I'm wrote just, the, the the beat and the and the and yeah. the melody. Is that's yours too? I I produced all of that. Yeah, I um I arranged that. I, I studied like production in in college and stuff, right. and I've been doing it for. I actually recently produced Kelly Lewis's new single. All right. Um, that we were on Virgin TV the other day at um up in Dublin. Um, so I have a few bits on around online, but uh, I'm just kind of starting off really. I'm producing down in the the lab studios in Monaghan Road down the city. So, oh really? If anyone if anyone's interested in in making a dance tune or something, feel free to hit me up on Instagram or anything like that. Uh, I'd love to. Ah uh, no, because this is great, and I, you'd never know. And like it's TikTok. Who am I? Yeah. Who was I talking to recently? Um, yeah. Oh, Corey Power. I was talking yeah, to Corey yeah. recently, and he was saying like TikTok is the place to break. And look at, I mean, Kian Ducrow was in the top ten yeah. only the other day. Exactly. And and yeah. he was on TikTok a year and a half ago. Lad, you could be headed. You can you imagine an Echo Boy in the top forty? It's it's possible. Anything is possible, though. You know. Did anybody uh, ever think it <laughs> up, though? Well, look, I, I, know, think, like, I think as, as, someone who's been, as someone who remembers the glory days of the club scene in Cork and the fun we used to have with a little bit of beat mixing and a little bit of fooling around, I think this is absolutely brilliant. I'm delighted for you. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. Oh, delighted. So delighted to have you on the show. <laughs> and when, 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 it's, when it sells a million, come back to me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Aaron O'Sullivan, well Thank done. You, have you a name Thanks on it yet? On, have you a name for it yet? It's it's the Echo Boy on Spotify actually. Just called the, the Echo Boy. The Echo oh, Boy. It's on Spotify already. It's on Spotify as uh, AOS um, AO S on Spotify. The Echo Boy, like but AO on Spotify. Yeah, listen, legend, legend. You've a hit in your hands, Aaron O'Sullivan. AOS on Spotify. The Echo Boy, made entirely in his own house, his own studio. Sampling the Echo Boy from outside the GPO. Do you know what? That gives me a good little buzz as we get finished up today. I like that. I'm actually I'm thrilled to hear that. It really is great. That'll be in your head now for the rest of the day. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. I'm not here tomorrow. Surprise stand in just after nine. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.